Hey, I'm Carrie Chamberlain, and I'm one of the pastors here at Vantage Point Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. All right, we are in week two of Fatal Flaws, and we are talking about insecurity today. So if you guys need to go, you can. I'm um, just kidding. <laughs> people are like, <laughs> I just have to go to the bathroom and now you can't get up because people will think you're leaving. So it's awkward. I said, like, give, <laughs> give us a few minutes. You'll be fine. With Pastor Kyle, he called me and we talked about uh, life and, and preaching. He said, okay, what's your biggest insecurity? What's your biggest uh, issue? And I said, insecurity. He said, perfect. Preach on it. And so I was like, wow, thank you. That was so kind of you. Um, that's not true. He didn't say that. He's not that mean. He's an amazing man. But it was uh, one of the options he gave us. And, and asked Pastor Austin, we were right there. I said, I've got to preach on that. That is what I want to preach on. And, you know, uh, my wife and I have been youth pastors for many years. And, and if I had to pick one common challenge that teens face, and this goes up into the adult realms, but if I had to pick a common just all the time, something that we're dealing with when it comes to young men and women, I would tell you that insecurity by far, without a doubt, is the number one issue that these young people are dealing with. And, and partly it's because there's so many outside voices speaking into their life. They've got TikTok and Instagram and none of them go on Facebook just so you guys know. They think it's for old people. And, and there's just all these different... <laughs> love Facebook, but there's all these things. I don't, I'm not endorsing them. I'm just saying I, anyways. So, so there's just all of these things these young people are dealing with and, and, and God really, I'm just going to prepare you today. I really feel like God uses me a little bit to mess with people and, and mess just a little bit with our, our comfortable Christian behavior, if you will. And to mess just a little bit with where we're at. And some of us might be squirming just a little bit, but I have a question. I mean, When's the last time Christianity and being a Christian cost you anything? And I, I want you, I, I'm not saying that some of you have an answer. I'm not saying this to belittle maybe where you've been or what you've done. But I'm saying this because I want us to understand that in America, we have rather comfortable Christianity. We have the ability, I can go out on the streets of Placerville, I can raise my flag, I can scream the name of Jesus, I can do whatever I want without fear of persecution. But see, now with, with what's happening with COVID, we're actually being challenged with making a decision in regards to our faith, right? We're not necessarily saying, well, if I don't go to church, I'm denouncing my faith. That's not what I'm saying. And please understand where I'm going. But, but we are being challenged in our faith, are we not? Are we not having challenge? I mean, some of you may have forgotten. We were told not to, to worship. We were told not to worship. We forgot about that. But... but we have gotten real comfortable in where we're at. And so I believe that we are just in a season that God is stirring some people up and he's stirring, well, let's just say his people up. And he's saying, it's time to get a little bit uncomfortable because we've got to start fighting the battle that God has put us in front of. That's why we're here. We're here because we've got a battle to fight. And the good news is the war is won. We know the winner. We know the winner. We know we win. But we've got to start pressing. We've got to start moving. We've got to start mobilizing. We don't come in here. Okay. So we're the salt of the earth. God has called us to be the salt of the earth. I want the earth. Did you hear the, the earth? It doesn't say the salt of the church. That, that's not the term used. It's not so that we can come in here and, and, and say, hey, yay, woohoo, yes, church, walls, great, I'm leaving, peace. What did he talk about? I don't know. What was that? Uh, that's, that's not what this God says, the salt of the earth. That means when we come in here, 
When he fills us up, he gives us something to pour out. And so we're called to go beyond these doors and pour that out and reach people for Jesus. Listen, some of you in this room may never have met Jesus. You're going to get an opportunity to meet him today. But I want you to do this. Once you meet him, would you introduce him to someone else? That's all I ask. Introduce him to someone else. Come on, let's get in this. I'm way off topic. I'm going to mess a little bit with that, but I want you guys to know if you have your Bible handy, great. Turn it on, open it up, get ready for what God is going to do. Or you can take a look at these screens and I will have the verses up there for you. I'm going to introduce you to a, a man in the Bible whose name was Saul. And Saul's biggest challenge was insecurity. And what I need to do is kind of give you just a little bit of context about where Saul came from. So we're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse number 2. If you have your Bible, you can read along with me, not out loud because that would be awkward. <clears throat> Kish had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. The, the, the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Now, I know you all know this guy, right? We went to high school with him. You guys remember him? He's the guy walking down the hallway and all the guys were like, not even fair. Like, that's not cool. Like, I could have used some of that. And he's the one with the girls walking down the hallway. Good job, God. Good job. He's that guy, right? I mean, I'm in high school trying to be a 7 out of 10, and here's Saul, an 11 out of 10, in all of Israel. I'm just trying to meet the 350 people I went to high school with. But here's Saul. He's good looking. He, he is the man's man. In fact, if, if, if we were there in that time and someone said, hey, we're looking for a king, I think we'd all say, Saul. Saul's the guy. He's the, he's the man. Look at him. He's amazing. This is who he was. It's, it's Saul. And as some of you might have guessed, that's actually what takes place and what plays out. But, but there was a flaw. Yeah. Ladies, don't look around, okay? Because you're all like, we were dating for a while till I found it, but I found it. There's a flaw. It's always a flaw. Always, it's sometimes, some, it's, it's a flaw. So, so Saul's got this flaw. Don't look around and don't hit anybody. No elbowing. There was a flaw. And we get a little bit of a glimpse very early on in this story with, with Saul's flaw. In fact, Kish, what happens is he asks Saul to take one of his servants to go look for they lost three donkeys. And so Saul, who's, who's much like me, probably made it to the end of the driveway, didn't see him and said, let's go back. We're cool, Right. But his servant was like, no, we're going to keep going and we're going to go find the man of God. And he, everything, everything this man says comes to pass. So let's go ask him where to go. And that's where we're going to pick up here in verse 7. Then Saul said to his servant, but look, if we go, what shall we bring? So the servant's telling him, we're going to talk to the man of God. And Saul says, but what are we going to bring? What, what are we going to bring? For the bread in our vessels is all gone and there is no present to bring the man of God. What do we have? What Saul was really asking in that moment is, what do I have? What he's saying in this moment is, I can't, I'm not enough. I am not enough to go before this man. I need to bring something in order to be in his presence. And while that might have been customary in that time, Saul is speaking from a place of insecurity. He's speaking from a place of, I am not enough to be in this presence. I need something to be worthy. Now the servant calms him down and they continue. Um, they continue on where they meet up with Samuel. And we're going to jump to verse 15 because I want you to hear this. So now the Lord, I want you to remember, remember this. Saul and his servant are looking for donkeys. Are we tracking? Looking for donkeys, okay? But they're running into Samuel, okay? Samuel's the man of God the servant was talking about. So now here we are in verse 15. Now the Lord said, 
The Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying this, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people of Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. Now, isn't that interesting? I want you to get this. See, it's interesting that Saul thought he was on a journey to find some lost donkeys, but the Lord had him on a journey to be anointed king. And here's why I want you to get this. I wonder if some of you are on a journey, currently looking and hanging around with some jack, I mean some donkeys, and, and you're wondering why, <laughs> some of you get that later, you're wondering why you're at where you're at. You're wondering whether you're like, I don't like where I'm at. This smells bad, it, it's, it's tiring, it's exhausting. And God says, listen, I know you think you're in a place you're not supposed to be, but you're in the place I need you to be to get you where I need you to go. And so some of you in this room might feel like you're in a position that you're not happy with or you want to be in. I've got good news for you. You only hang out with the donkeys for a little bit. And then on the other side, you get the keys to the throne because that is where God is taking you. As disciples of his word, he wants you to be the salt and light of the earth. And if we would just walk through a little bit of the mire and the muck and get through it, we would find the promised land that God has for us. So continue fighting, continue pressing, and you all need a servant in your life that will keep pushing you. That didn't sound right. You don't need any servants. That's not what I mean, okay? A friend. Let's call him a friend, okay? You all need a friend in your life that will keep pushing you and help you to keep going. So Sam, I'm talking faster because I have less time this service than I did in the night. So Samuel, he greets Saul, and Samuel tells Saul that we're going to eat together, and I'm going to tell you all that is in your heart. And here's where we get another glimpse of Saul's insecurity. And here's how he responds. We're going to go to verse 21. He says this, And Saul answered, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest tribe of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak to me like this? Why do you speak to me like this? You see, Saul is saying, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of the conversation. I'm not worthy of the dinner. I'm not worthy of any of these things. His insecurity is beginning to just pour out of him. And I think we can all see that here. I'm willing to bet that many of us have found ourselves in a Saul-type situation. We found ourselves in a situation where we don't think we deserve what's put in front of us. I, I, I have good news for you that might not sound like good news. You don't. You don't deserve, but you know what else you didn't deserve? You didn't deserve what Jesus did on a cross for you. You didn't deserve the life that he gave when he, when he put his hands and, and allowed those nails to pierce him. We didn't deserve that, but he found us worthy. And he finds you worthy. And when God blesses you and gets you to a place that he's calling you to be, it's easy to jump back into insecurity. And it's hard to jump into the place where you say, I might not have what it takes. I might not have it all put together. But I know that my God, who has conquered death, has put me in this place. And I, when I can't walk in the authority that I feel like I need, I'm going to walk in the authority that God has given me. And when you walk in that when you walk in that authority, you're going to see victory. And when you see victory, you're going to see lives change. And you're going to see people find for the very first time a life they didn't know was available to them. And that's what this is about, to turn people away from hell and get them to the promise that God has given them through, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen?
Amen. So if we look at our lives, we can apply this thinking to so many different situations. I mean, insecurity plays out in so many ways. Maybe you're looking in the mirror and you're not appreciating what you see. You know, I'm not much of a reader. Um, When I was a young man, I was probably 18 or 19 years old. I really struggled with more insecurity. I, I still struggle with it but I really just struggled with not liking what I saw in the mirror. And I'll never forget this book. It was the only paragraph I read. Um, (laughs) Telling them myself. So there I am reading this book and, and it talked about how when you stand in front of the mirror and you look in that mirror and all of you can relate. I know we can all relate. You look in the mirror and you just don't like what you see. I'm just not a fan of what I see. I don't like, I can, I can, I can looking in the mirror this morning. I pick out every single flaw. And then the next day I go and I look in that mirror and I go, okay, all right, it's going to be a good, good day, yeah. What changed between the first day and the second day? It's the same man standing in front of the same mirror. The only thing that changed in that moment was my perspective. And see, I feel like God wants us to take on his perspective of who we are. If you see yourself the way he sees you, you're going to walk just a little bit differently, a little stronger with a little more strength because it's not your weakness that's showing through. It's his strength that will overcome. So be prepared for him to do that in your life. It's perspective. That's why I love Vantage Point. Vantage Point Church, life from God's perspective. That's what we want you to get. That's what we want you to see. So we have to be careful because with insecurity, insecurity will literally take you out of the game. It will take you out of the game. It can actually very quickly turn you from a game day starter to merely a spectator. Not because you don't have what it takes, but because you're sidelining yourself. It's not because you don't have the ability to play the game. It's because you refuse to acknowledge it. It's because we're sidelining ourselves. We aren't accessing what God has already equipped us with. And we've got to learn to access what God has given us. See, Saul, by all accounts, was this this beautiful man. But his insecurities, they weren't just surfacing. Well, they weren't really at all surfacing on the outside. They were taking root on the inside. And when we allow insecurity to take root, the roots don't stop growing. You all know that tree, right? That tree that's either in your backyard right now or your front yard right now, and it's way over there, but your uh, sidewalk over here looks like it's a jump ramp for a bicycle. Or maybe you grew up on that street like I did, and you didn't find that tree until your rollerblade hit it, and then you had all kinds of other problems. That was me too. When roots take hold and they grow, they cause destruction. They cause damage, and many times very far away from where they began. Very far away from where they began. See, the roots don't stop growing, and before we know it, we're completely out of the game. Not because so much of what other people say about us. Understand this. Yes, that plays a part in this, but boy, do we give the devil some, some, we give him just kudos. We're like, yeah, good job, devil. You took me out again. Listen, um, hmm. We've got to take some personal responsibility for our actions. We've got to take some personal responsibility for our thinking and stop placing everything that we have on the devil because all we're doing is giving ourselves license to keep moving forward without acknowledging the things that we're dealing with because it's not us creating them, it's the devil. So I'm going to keep moving forward. Sorry, that probably... Anyway, so, so it's important for us to realize that we have a part to play in our actions, a part to play in our thinking, a part to play in our decisions. 
We have a part to play, and I'm going to show you guys something here in a few minutes. You're really going to get it. See, it's not because of what other people say, although it can feed our insecurity. It's because we've accepted about ourselves a lie rather than a reality. You see, we've acknowledged a lie and not the reality of who we are. And when we acknowledge the lie, we operate from the lie. Likewise, when we acknowledge the reality of who we are, we operate out of the reality of who God has created us to be. See, I coached football at Union Mind for a little bit, a little bit. This is where I kind of equate this. It was one of the, probably the most rewarding seasons of my life. And it's, um, it's not because we won games, because <laughs> we didn't. But it's not because we had a winning season, because we didn't. But it was because we had the opportunity to coach. I love being a coach. I love being a coach. And I know we've all had coaches, good and bad. In fact, I'm, I'm going to prove a point. If you had a coach in your life who, who had a positive impact on you, and you can still remember to this today, would you just lay, raise your hand real quick? I want you to see all the hands. You see all those hands? The good ones were good ones, weren't they? The bad ones were bad ones too. But the good ones were, yes. So some of you are like, I got a negative coach in my life. The good ones were good ones. And, and, and what I want us to get is that these coaches are good and impact you so well because they called the greatness out in you. That's why they were so amazing. They called the greatness out in you. They called that out. Even when you didn't see it in yourself. You, you guys know these kids. I mean, I had some Sauls on my team. You know that I had that 6'2 freshman, 220 pounds, who would get on the line. And, and the other team would get on the line and look at him. Get that kid's going, oh, my gosh, this is going to hurt so bad. This is what the other teams are around. I'm like, this kid's going to get him. And they, they hike the ball. And the kid's like, oh, whoa, no, please don't get me. He's running away. I'm like, do you know how big you are? Do you know how strong you are? Do you know what you have in you? And likewise, I feel like God wants to say that to us today. Do you know that when we operate in his power, do you know how big you are? Do you know how strong you are? Do you know you have the, uh, the ability to overcome the opponent standing right in front of you and knock him flat on his back? But we've got to operate in the ability that he's put in us. Not what we, what lie we've chosen to believe or what we've, we've chosen to walk in. We had those souls. But you know what? I had to get them to stop looking with their eyes. I had to get these players to stop looking with their eyes at their opponent. You know what? It's interesting. What would happen is they would look at their opponent and they would see their opponent, but they wouldn't see themselves. Do you know what I mean? They would see their opponent and that opponent, he's, that opponent was six foot, 170, but they were, they forgot they forgot they were 6'2", 280. And they forgot they had everything it took because they weren't looking with their heart and what God had put in them. They were looking with their eyes and what was in front of them. In fact, I want you to watch this clip because it'll give you a great example. I just, although I feel like, is there, like, should I say? I got the fifth hidden device on my back. If you do it, you're in your back. Even if you can't, you can prosper, you can do this. All right. You're best. Generalized on. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more than you than that. Right, right. Those people. This 
You gotta keep moving, let's keep moving, let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep driving, keep, your, keep your knees off the ground. That's it, your very best. Don't quit on your very best. Keep driving, keep driving. There you go, there you go. That's it, you keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground, keep driving. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, bro. That's it, that's it, that's it. Keep going, I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. Cards, don't quit on your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know he's heavy. I'm buying my strength. And you negotiate with your buddy to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going. You hear me? You keep going. You do it good. You keep going. Do not quit on him. You keep going. I know I hurt. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. And let it burn. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Can I count on you? He said, you're the most influential person on this team. Don't waste it. You see that young man in that, that, that video clip right there? If he would have seen with his eyes, how many know he would have given up a long time ago? Because he had someone over his shoulder cheering him on, reminding him that you have more in you. He pushed him to a greater victory than he even thought he could accomplish. And I want you to know that we have a God in heaven who has that voice in our ear who says, don't give up. Keep pushing. Keep pressing. Keep moving forward. You'll get there. I know you don't feel like you have the strength, but you negotiate with your body and you keep moving forward because I'm going to be here to cheer you on. That's the God that we serve. That's the God in heaven. He wants you to know that you are the most influential person on this team. Don't waste it.
You're the most influential person on this team. Don't waste it. God has a purpose for you. Don't buy the lie. Don't cash out. Don't sit on the bench, but instead recognize that, yeah, I might be weak, but with his strength, I can get this done. I can keep pressing. I can keep going. And in the end, I'm going to come out on top because God has already done it. He's already finished it. He's already completed it. The cross has been, has, 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 he has, he has, He died on the cross for us so that we could receive that victory today. But we've got to walk in a little more boldness. We've got to stand with a little more pep in our step. We've got to talk a little bit louder sometimes. You know, when I'm at work sometimes, this isn't in my notes, I'm going to keep going anyways. But when I'm at work sometimes, when I have to tell someone something to do, and if you don't know, I work in prison. When I tell you to do something, they might look at me if I say, excuse me, sir, I'm going to need you to um, step over there. They look at me like I've got no authority. But when I rise up with the authority of the badge on my chest, when you rise up with the authority that Jesus Christ has put on the inside of you and you say, I said back up, they look at you a little bit differently. And if you start to talk to the enemy that way, you might see him back down just a little bit, but we can't be meek and and, and docile. We've got to rise up with the power that God has put on the inside of us. That's how we walk this thing out. You see, I believe that Samuel... Samuel was anointing Saul saying, you're the most influential person on this team. That's what he was saying in that moment. He's saying that God has given you influence and you need to hear that today. Listen, some of you are sitting on the bench and when I tell you you have influence, all you do is sink lower in your seat because you have bought the lie. Well, I've got good news for you. Today at church, we're having a two for one sale. All you gotta do is bring me your lies and I'll give you some truth and watch what God does in your heart because that's when you'll be able to walk in the power and the authority that God has for you. You've got to stop listening to the lies of the enemy and the lies that you tell yourself. Because God's truth is greater. God's strength is made made whole in our weakness. See, you're sitting in this room. God has given you influence. But for many of us, we've taken that just like Saul and we've ran. Based on our circumstances, you know what, you know what I'm talking about. You, you, God says, I've called you to this. And you're like, okay, could you drop that like Plinko and Price is Right? I'm going to need you to drop that in the top and it's going to hit every ugly stick on the way down. But I did this, God, and I did this, God, and I did this, God. And by the time it gets to the bottom, it lands in the zero and you look at God and say, told you you were wrong. But God says, bro, I made this machine. Every single one of those things says 10 grand. And when you drop that thing, it doesn't matter what it hits. You get the, you're the winner on the other side. That's who God is for us. But we've got to walk in it and we've got to acknowledge it. Here's what Saul did though. In chapter 10, verse 21, it says, when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin, it's the anointing of Saul. They're announcing him. Here he is. And and, and I'm going to jump down to verse 22. It says, but when they saw him, he could not be found. They, they, they inquired of the Lord and they said, has the man come here? They're looking for Saul. And the Lord answered and said, there he is. He's hiding in the equipment. He's hiding over there. You see, Saul was the quarterback of the football team, but he's hiding in the locker room. And many of you have been called to greatness, but you're hiding. You're sitting back. You know that God has called something out in you. You've heard the voice of the Lord. You, you, you feel the tug and the push to be involved in maybe it's ministry. Maybe and it's all ministry, I'll be honest with you. Maybe it's homeless, maybe whatever it might be. God has called you to it, but you're struggling to get through it. You see, insecurity doesn't just present itself on the outside. It hides itself deep inside of us. 
And when it hides itself deep inside of us, it can, it can look like different things on the outside. So in fact, it might look, look a little more like pride. Or it, it's, and really what it is, is it, it's up to us compensating. It's us compensating and masking and covering what we don't want people to see. Insecurity is like an open wound. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want anybody to see it and I don't want anybody to touch it. But that insecurity is what can sideline us. And, and it happened right here. Saul was sidelined. See, when we don't deal with insecurity in our lives, we become ineffective. And the reason we become ineffective isn't because of our inability. Rather, it's us not recognizing our true ability. It's not because we don't have what it takes. It's because we're not recognizing what it takes. And we see this come to the surface. And the very end for Saul, we're going to jump to chapter 15, verse 26. It says, but Samuel said to Saul, I will not, <coughs> excuse me, I will not, I'm <laughs> not going to say it. I will, <laughs> my ADD, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel, verse 27. And as Samuel turned around to go away, he seized the edge of the robe and tore it. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to you and, and has given it to a neighbor of yours who was better than yours. Did you hear that? Did you hear what just happened? The kingdom was torn from Saul because he refused to acknowledge the gift that God had given him. He refused to acknowledge who God had called him to be because he was running everything through his own filter and he allowed his insecurity to speak louder than anything he had in his life. So what does he do? It's been torn from him, right? You think this is a great time to humble yourself. I'm at rock bottom, right? But here's what he says. He says, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. He says, listen, I know I messed up, but could you please honor me in front of my friends? I don't want them knowing. This is where he was at in the very, very end. See, even to Saul, even at the end, Saul was trying to save face. So the question is this, was God wrong? Did God make a mistake? Did God anoint the wrong person? Did he, did he pick the wrong person? Absolutely not. And I want you to know, because many of you have said this to God, uh, yeah, wrong guy, wrong girl. Nope, sorry. Um, nope, no, that's not me. You picked, the, you picked the wrong person. You see, God didn't call you based on where you've been. He called you based on where he knows you can go. And so he's calling you to something that maybe you've never experienced before, and that might be scary, but he is calling the greatness out in you, and he called the greatness out in Saul. The problem is it's hard to lead when you don't see yourself as a leader. It's hard to lead when you don't see yourself as a leader. Let me give you an example. If a police officer was to pull you over, if a police officer were to pull you over and you were in the car and the police officer walked up and said, roll down the window, you rolled down, you looked at the police officer and you said, sir, <laughs> you get back in your cop car and if I see those red and blue lights one more time, I'm gonna take that little gun away from you. <laughs> now, had Saul been the police officer, <laughs> he'd have walked back to his car. Yes, ma'am, right away. And he would have went back. You know why? Because he didn't walk in the authority that he was given. You see, but a real police officer, we know we'd probably have some trouble. We'd have a couple of issues there. Um, most of us would be probably rather taken out of the car rather quickly. We'd be wearing beautiful bracelets and we'd be headed off to a wonderful fantasy land. That's what would likely happen if the police officer walked in the authority. So what could Saul have done differently? 
I'll tell you the first thing he could have done is he could have acknowledged the insecurity. Acknowledge the insecurity. The first step to overcoming it is acknowledging it. We've got to acknowledge the insecurity. Saul looked for justification. It wasn't justification to walk in authority. It was justification to walk in insecurity. That's the route he took. He took that route. But I want you to know that you don't need justification to operate in a place or position that God has put you in. You don't need justification. You just need to know that the one who covers it all has set you for a place and time such as this because he's got something he wants to do with you and stop, just stop. As soon as I say that, the voices rise up. I'm, I'm not good enough, I'm not this. Just stop, quiet those voices, turn up the truth and find out what God can do through you if you just are willing to walk through it. See, think about it. When a child comes home and he tells you things that, that someone said about him and he's upset, what do we do as parents? We call out the greatness in them. We remind them that I know this kid might've said this about you, but that's not who you are. Let me remind you who you are. And you wanna know where you can find a reminder of who you are? It's a great book. It's a wonderful book. Uh, it says B-I-B-L-E on the front basic instructions before leaving earth. All you gotta do is pop that thing open, dive in there, and you're gonna find truth in there like you've never seen before. See, of course, listen, we all have weakness, but weakness is not justification for failure. Weakness is not justification for failure. Some of you feel weak in this time and in this moment, I want you to know you don't get to quit. It's not the time to quit. It's the time to press. It's the time to keep moving. It's the time to overcome. It's the time to negotiate with your body and your mind and call on the strength of the Lord and see what he can do with you because he's got amazing and great things that he's gonna do in your life. How do I know? Because I'm standing here. That's how I know. That's how I know. Because everything in my life, every circumstance, every little peg on my Plinko card, are you kidding me? I shouldn't be standing here today. I shouldn't be a father. I shouldn't have a beautiful wife. I shouldn't have the life that I have. But man, God saw something, saw something so much greater. <clears throat> he saw something so much more amazing in me that I could see in myself. And all I'm saying is, God, okay, use me. I'll, I'll speak. I'll say what you put. I'll say what you want me to say. Don't look at me, look at him through me and you'll see something way more amazing because he is such a good God. <laughs> Just slurped that right from all y'all. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine through 10 says this, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Oh, what? You mean this weakness thing is okay? Absolutely, because his power. He's made perfect. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults and in hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want you to know if you're in a place this morning where you feel weak, I've got great news. Right where God wants to show you his strength and watch what he does in that. I was listening to this country song. Don't ask me how I'm gonna spiritualize this, but I'm gonna try. All my country people are like, um, I was listening to this country song. <laughs> Some people are leaving, it's awkward. <laughs> the words of this song, I can't tell you the song, I just heard the words as I was flipping through the station, said, let my eyes be your mirror. 
In other words, I really feel like God was using that to tell me something. What God was saying is, let the way I see you be the way you see you. Let the way he sees you this morning be the way you see yourself. You'll walk in just a little bit more joy and strength. Let the way God sees you be the way you see yourself. So remember I told you we had a two for one deal. I'm gonna give you some truth that you get to walk out of here with because some of us need to be reminded. Number one, I want you to know this, you radiate light wherever you go. Matthew chapter five, verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You're the salt of the earth. Matthew chapter five, verse 13 says, you are the salt of the earth. Get, get this, you are victorious. Romans 8, 37 says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You have royalty in your veins, but you are chosen people, 1 Peter 2, 9. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into the wonderful light. I could keep going. You're chosen by him. You're a co-heir with Christ. Romans 8, 17 says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share with his glory. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I know that God has something for you. Let's pray. This morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just believe without a shadow of a doubt that there's people in this room today who are walking in a place where they've taken themselves out of the game. And I firmly believe that you're in this room today and God is calling you back. He's calling you back in. He's calling you back to a place where he wants to remind you of the giftings. He wants to remind you of the purpose and he wants to remind you of the calling he's put on your life. But you've been running it through the wrong filter. On this morning, I believe that God is gonna reignite that fire in your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room this morning and you say, that's me, I need to step back in, I need to get back in the game and I need to get moving in the direction that God has called me to. I know I've been called and I've gotta start stepping, I've gotta start fighting. Come on, you're not gonna do this alone. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you raise your hand? I just wanna who's in this room this morning that would say, that's me, I'm gonna get in the fight, amen, all over this place, amen. Lord, there are, there are, there are people in this room, God, you see them, you hear them, you know their heart, God. Lord, right now, I pray you would stir something up in them. And maybe you're here this morning and you've, you've never accepted the gift of Jesus Christ. And maybe you sidelined yourself and you weren't aware that God was getting you to a place where he wanted to introduce himself to you. This morning is your opportunity. And I wanna give that to you. If you're in this place with every head bowed, every eye closed, or maybe you're online and, and you want to you want to meet Jesus for the first time. I want to introduce him to you this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to accept new life in exchange for the road that you've been walking. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to know who I'm praying for. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to know who I'm praying for in this place. Amen. 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 I see you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, we're going to pray this together. Maybe you, you didn't raise your hand. I want you to know that... Raising your hand is not a prerequisite to finding Jesus. It's just an opportunity for us to acknowledge and agree with you. But we're gonna do that together here this morning. 
I want you to just repeat this after me because we're not gonna pray alone. We're gonna pray together as a body, as a family. Would you pray to say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. I'm sorry for going my own way, for choices that have hurt you and choices that have hurt me. Today, I accept the gift of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for new life. Lord, we thank you for, for Lord, this, the hearts that have been turned towards you this morning. God, I just declare victory in their lives in the name of Jesus. I come against every lie of the enemy. Lord, I come against the insecurities. God, I pray that you would let strength rise up and boldness rise up in them, God. You are making disciples of men and women in this room, God. And I pray as we walk out these doors, Lord, that we would carry your strength. Lord, that we would walk in your strength, even when we feel weak, God. We would walk in that knowing that you're with us, that you have not left us nor forsaken us, God, but we are heirs to the throne. And we walk in that authority in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Vantage Point Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more episodes. If you love it, you can rate the podcast and share it with your friends. We love you and hope you join us again next week.